the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And it's Tuesday, February 18th, uh, 2020. I almost said 2018. Ah. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, oh, no, the buzz is going in and out. It doesn't matter. John, I'm going to show you something. Yeah, please. Um, uh, I thought this was new. Taylor Hughes said that this was new. Mm-hmm. It's actually old. Um, that tends to be how most things are. What? That it's, that it's not actually... Uh, ooh. That was good. Have you seen that? Uh, is that the, the Truffle Shuffle 2.0? Yes, it is. I've seen video ads for it. Oh my god, it's so hard. I don't really know the difference. Okay. The difference is... Oh my god. Um, it, you know what's funny is it makes the Truffle Shuffle seem easy. Mm. So the difference is... Uh, do you have cards on you? I actually don't. I left them on Here, my try card, it. I think. Okay. To set up um, what, like you're going to do. Uh-huh. do yeah. mm-hmm. Weave okay. them in. Make sure the right card is last. Okay. All right. Now, your right thumb, instead of being where it is, yeah. is actually going to hold that cover card on top. Okay. And you have to do the rest of it without your thumb. That thumb is supposed to push that cover card fo- forward and bend it over and do the rest of the shuffle the way you'd normally do. <laughs> Why? <laughs> What's That will be the, the viral ad for Truffle Shuffle 2.0. John Accardo says, why? Um, yeah. Yeesh, that's, yeah, that looks harder. Uh, yeah, it is, a, it is a little harder. Checking in. Uh, the idea, I believe, is so that you get some um, extra... Uh-huh. Oh, boy, yeah, this is tough. I'm... The, the hard part is that it's hard to unweave them without having your thumb as a bit of, like, leverage. Mm-hmm. To do it, and the, I, I believe the point of it is to um, have that cover card hide the business. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's 2.0. Truffle Shovel 2.0. Very, yeah, uh, I have seen ads for that on Penguin, and I believe that um, Taylor Hughes is uh, learning this as well. Mm-hmm. But he, I don't think he, I think he's skipping past Truffle Shovel One. He's just going directly to this. Gotcha. So um, I wonder if they are different enough that like you can learn either one of them in the same amount of time it would take to learn the other one. Not that the second one is necessarily harder, yeah. just that it's a different move set that, yes. you know, if you start there instead of the other one, it's just That's as easy why or just he, as difficult. He asked me if I should do, if I should learn, if he should learn the first one first and then this one. And I was like, I think you should just skip to the one you're trying to learn. Right. Because I think the, if you learn the regular one and you get used to having that thumb there, to, for me to undo it is really hard. Right. It feels weird. It feels very weird. Yeah. And I And also, I'm not sure if it's better mm-hmm. but uh it's newer <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it's better better but it's newer, newer. uh we're doing a, a day record today because you're going to be at magic bar tonight yeah i'm heading to magic bar tonight i'm, I'm hosting again and uh for ben trader with uh, david striker who's very very talented so uh, very, really cool and uh, how did last night go uh oh i was there last night oh just, yeah, just, just, just just for you tuesday. tuesday just ah, for tuesday cool. yeah um, and then uh, you're there another time soon, right? I'll be there uh, again hosting for him on March 10th. I think that's another uh, Tuesday. Uh-huh. And then I'll be performing there on March 30th and 31st. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And then Chicago. And then Chicago after that, yeah. Uh, but the big thing was you did a week at the Pillar. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, uh, solo show. Yeah, a uh, solo show. Um, um, Doug Audio style. <laughs> Doug Audio style. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Speaking of that, still haven't gotten my book from Helder. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's really funny. They uh, they just sent an email today that they, uh, the the dropship has arrived in the U.S. Gotcha. Uh, Helder's Guimarães is uh, secret knowledge. Secret knowledge. But you did a, a week. It's um, so much of a secret, even getting the book. How to get the book is a secret. <laughs> even the ability to have the book. Yeah. Also, Steve Forty, you just put out a book. Oh, yeah, I heard and about it that. And it instantly sold out. Isn't it like $400 or something? I don't know. But it, but they, they sold like 40 copies or something like right. that. It's so annoying to me. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, how'd the Peller Week go? It went really well. It yeah. went um, better than I anticipated. Not that I thought it was going to be bad, but yeah. uh, people really liked it. You were quite worried. I saw the very first show of the week. Right. And you were very worried before and even a little bit after that show. <laughs> right. Like, Or you just were like, oh, that went better than... Your mom said that you said it was going to be a disaster or something like that. I know. I never said it was going to be a disaster. My mom misquoted <laughs> me, as she often does. Um I, I was just very, very nervous about it. It was it, it had never been done in front of an audience. All the material was new. We were taking some big risks comedically as far as what you usually see at the castle and the type of things you usually see at the castle. Yeah. So just, you know, there was just no uh, familiar ground that I was doing this show on. Yeah. 
So uh, are, have I you was just s- very nervous. What are the other shows? So, like, I think we talked about this last week that it would not be out of place at UCB. Right, exactly. Um, it would be pretty, like, hey, that was a good comedy show mm-hmm. at UCB. I mean, in terms of the taste area that right. the jokes were in. What other shows at the castle have you seen that are like that? Not many. I, I guess, you know, Robert, when he was with Nathan Fan, they do sort of a, um, they would bill themselves as having the, the world's first uh, musical, oh God, I can't remember the exact tagline of it, but it was like the world's first uh, musical magic sketch show. Uh-huh. And so that had a lot of, you know, things like that, where it was um, a lot of bits and premises that yeah. would lead into a trick. Would also, uh, I believe one time you described Simon as doing a show at a magic magician's um, event that was like, uh, it was at one of the, maybe the Christmas party or something like that. Oh, he and Jordan Gold did Would a show together the in feel? the Peller. That was a little bit more inside baseball jokes right. than this was. It was for the awards show, I think. Oh, okay. And what he what they did is yeah they they did a they they did a lot of inside jokes uh-huh. that that you could not have done in front of a non non right. magician audience because that's exclusively members and guests. Not right. there's no guest cards in there. So that's that's what it makes. That, that's when you can do really inside baseball jokes, um, almost like you're at a convention. And, uh, um, like, I, I think Zabrecki is one of the funniest people I've ever seen at the castle. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't even say his show is, like, your show. Right. Um, and is it Stuart McLeod? Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, I thought he was very funny when I saw him there. Mm-hmm. But but they were both... Uh, John Archer is a very funny magician. Right. But they're all funny in a more, like... Even Zabrecki, who's... I genuinely think is a very funny performer. It's still in more in a tradition of funny around the same tropes that you generally see. Right. And John Archer is like that as well. Um, and this actually had more like sketch. This had like sketch premises. Yeah. Um, specifically. And it was all, it was stuff that I had basically, I, basically written. Like, like I said, yeah. if, if this show had to have a program and had to be boiled down, it would, it would probably say written by John Accardo, magic by Robert Ramirez. Right. And so, but this is the equivalent of book and lyrics. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I and, and so the things that I was the most nervous about were the things that I, I didn't know if they were going to play well. Uh-huh. I, I knew there was going to be like a show where we eventually bombed. That show did find its way to uh, us. Oh, it did. Uh, yeah, Sunday night. Uh, uh, it wasn't Sunday terrible. I, I wasn't sulking about it because it was just like yeah, they did not laugh or clap at the things they were meant to laugh or clap at. We did our part, and then uh, you know, how many nights did you do three shows? Uh, three of the four nights we had Friday off. But so we're typically supposed to do five nights, but we okay. had Friday off. So we did Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. We did two on Wednesday and then three the rest of the week. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So it was the Sunday night bomb. Was it the last one? 10 o'clock. No, the 1130 was quite good. Oh, okay. It was, it was maybe our, one of our best. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad shows. you ended on a. Sure. Oh, <laughs> except there was one incredibly drunk person that wouldn't shut the fuck up. Oh, but yeah. if you had ended on the bomb night. That would have been. I, I didn't even, again, I, didn't I, care I, I only feel bad. I mean, when, when I bomb, uh, I, I kind of, sometimes it just happens, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the best comedians in the world still bomb sometimes, yeah. you know? So I, I kind of look at like, could I have changed this? Could I have fixed this? What could I have done differently? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is nothing, which in this case, it kind of felt like it was, mm-hmm. I, you know, I never messed up a trick. We never delivered jokes wrong. I never felt like that from the moment that we realized they kind of weren't into it, that we just stopped delivering. Like we, I knew it was going weird before the, um, before our shark tank thing with the t-shirts. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, you know, I've walked into that being like, you, well, they're already not totally on so board. So wait, you know, they weren't on board from the like, and my name's John. Yeah. Like, that just wasn't really getting laughs. Like, oh, well, <laughs> I knew it. I, I mean, from the moment where, you know, the, the most relaxed I almost ever was in the show was <laughs> on. So uh, some of our weirder jokes and sillier jokes are in the first, uh, first trick of the show mm-hmm. where it, per, per your, uh, contribution, Robert and I are like dancing around a <laughs> yeah. stool, chanting what this person has just, the choices yeah. person has just made. And that was, and, and that was your contribution. And that was one of those jokes I was most scared to do. I'm like, this isn't necessarily my style of humor. Yeah. I'm always sort of the straight man to Robert. And this right. is where we're both doing something silly. But the moment that I got a really good laugh in that first eight o'clock show, uh-huh. I was like, oh, this week's going to be fine. Like yeah, that, yeah. that was the most, that getting a big laugh is the most reassuring thing. Also get reassuring was 
there's a moment where I sort of submit to the idea that Robert's going to do this rap, and I reach into my pocket and pull out pull an egg, egg shaker. Yeah. And the first time I did that, that got an, a, a much bigger laugh. That I, I, I didn't even consider that as a joke, really, but I yeah. got like a big laugh and it was always a reliable laugh. So as soon as that piece went well on, on, on Wednesday, I was like, this is going to be okay. <laughs> right. uh, this won't be terrible. So I really relaxed. But on, on that Sunday 10 o'clock show, I pull out the egg shaker to nothing, really. <laughs> and I was like, oh, boy. All right, well, I wish I could tell you you guys could leave now because you're, you're not going to like where this goes. <laughs> you're like, you might be able to just still get up and sneak into the back of the palace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if, Donald. He's got some doves. It'd be you great if check you, that out. If you guys just um, slowly faded to silence and then just walked the people up to the palace <laughs> through like a secret entrance, and it was like, so, "Sorry to, sorry to bother you, but you're right, this is actually the show you should be at." Yeah. Did you feel that group was a different group demographically? Sometimes it's hard to tell. Um, I mean, you know, there there were some older people in the audience. I think they were also pretty drunk. Hmm. Um, we we had a couple. Oh, you know, that's that was part of it. Was um, I guess this would be our own fault. Was so beforehand. Mike, the stage manager, comes. Uh, that's his last name. Do you know that? His name is the stage manager. Oh, uh, oh, I think it's D apostrophe stage manager. Yeah, it's it's check. I think the stage uh, manager. So anyway, he comes back and he's just to let you know because they, you know, you the you get the ticketed seat people in, and then you have all the the non ticketed people. So it, those people are in there for a while, just like in the palace. They're in there for a while before everybody else walks in. The ticketed people. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, because. So they have to they have to wait until all the tickets come in, or they're sure all the tickets will come in before they can let in the rest um, of the line. So, so those people a, are sitting there for a while. It's a mini version of the palace. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I Except think, I believe that uh, I don't know if this is every night, but I believe for eleven thirty there are no ticketed seats uh, in the Peller. I don't remember this. Uh, do you decide at dinner which show you're going to, or do you get pushed into the Peller because the palace is full? I think that's it's, that's closer to the case. I think you can request Peller tickets, and you know. If you make your reservation sort of later, I think it has more generally mm-hmm. um, decided that you're going to have uh, Peller tickets. Um, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest with that you. That is the first show I saw in the Peller. Oh, yeah. But from what you guys have talked about, the kinds of shows that are in the Peller, mm-hmm. it actually seems like the Peller is the theater to go to to see maybe like New Directions and Magic. Yeah. It seems like there's more experimental Right, stuff. and that's the, how the room is built, like yeah. the experimental room, which I have my own kind of problems with, but that's... <laughs> Neither here nor there. You're like, this is a failed experiment if it's an experiment. Uh, well, not necessarily our show. Our show was fine. But it's like the, the, the nature of billing this room as the experimental room, uh-huh. I have my qualms about. Do you think it sets expectations too low? Um, I think that, I guess, yeah. I, I think the, the, the nature of like, this is the weird one. Try weird stuff there is uh-huh. fine. But as we just talked about, there is a very real chance that you are pushed into that room instead of, like, <laughs> the big show. Right. Uh, and so I don't think that that, that for, like, if you're getting tickets from the dinner that you're buying, that should be an alternative. Like, I think if you, if, if, if you have the big show, like the main show, and you have the experimental room, those should not be alternatives to the same dinner. Right, because some people... I'm not even calling it quality. I mean, Derek and Helder uh, started, that show began in the Peller. In, uh, in uh, uh, nothing, to uh, nothing to hide began oh. in, in um, as a two person show in the Peller. Wow, I and didn't know like that. twice because it was such a huge hit and everybody realized how amazing it was the first time they saw it. Um, yeah, but if you like are a lay person and you go to the castle once a year or once every five years, mm-hmm. and that night you don't get to go to the palace, and you are seeing the Peller show, mm-hmm. maybe that's you're saying maybe that's not the. Like there's some people that just want to see a palace. Most of the most of the shows in there don't, I think, like really fall under the experimental Uh type of magic. Right. They might just be like that. Their parlor act. Yeah, that's a lot of what it is. You know, people kind of um, uh, putting their parlor. Like like I know there's a lot of times where people don't even do stuff together and they just kind of do their own twenty minute sets and that's sort of it. Uh You know. Yeah. And uh, like in the previous week, uh, my friend Nick Paul, who was in there with Paul V Hill. Uh-huh. The two of them were both in there. They'd never met before. They don't, uh-huh. and they didn't do anything together. Uh, Nick just did his twenty minutes, and then Paul did his twenty minutes. Mm. Although that was probably a good set, two sets of magic. Oh yeah, I bet very different. Um, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't you say that it's a little strange that I I decided to find your card there? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Um, That's a great Nick Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Nick V Hill. Nick V Hill. Um, oh, I really hope he puts out a um, a book. Called Vihalanti. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's fun. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I was just thinking about the palace. There's something about the palace that even when people see things at the palace that are corny and kind of like the magic that you guys all hate. Right. I feel like lay people are still just like, yeah, but I saw a magic show. Right. It's Sometimes like, they are, yeah. You know, it just has that like... Th- I think you just tend to be forgiving of your first experiences of a thing. Yeah. Um, Especially because you're wowed by... When the, they're, the, may they meet some level of, of competence. Right. Um, how much did the show change from first show to last? Very little. We, oh. we 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 trimmed a lot of the fat. So I mean, a lot of the there's a lot of the fat in the show came when I was off stage, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because we having this been like the really the first time we really really went through it with no ability to stop, no ability to do anything. Mm-hmm. The amount of time it would take me backstage wasn't still super clear. Mm-hmm. So Robert spent a lot more time talking on stage, giving me the time. He didn't know if I needed it or not. There was never really a way for me to communicate to him that I was ready. And so... Uh, <laughs> so there's no, like, caca. <laughs> we talked about that at the first show. I'm like, how do I know? What do I, should I clap? Like, how do I let you know that I'm, like, ready back here? Right. And we couldn't figure out one, so he just, I just, he just trusted. Um, I just told him how long I needed. I told him, like, after the first show, I said, actually, when you were here, when you started saying this, I was already done. I was ready to go. And he just mm-hmm. trusted I was ready to do it. And, uh, and and we just followed that trust the whole week. But yeah, but the first show was 45 minutes when it should have been about 40. Mm-hmm. And then the second show was about 48 minutes. Oh. <laughs> um, and so then uh, we just found a lot of places to cut little things, uh, preambles to certain tricks, when people are brought up on stage, a mm-hmm. lot of stuff like that. And uh, we we just kind of got through it. And then, and then the show was always about between 40 and 45. And that was okay. Yeah. As, as soon as, as long as we were under 45, I was fine with it. Um, and so you didn't end up eliminating any effects. No, I never had to cut anything. Great. Out. That, yeah. that was the thing. I, I didn't think you should. Right. I was hoping that you wouldn't have to. Yeah. There was one. So, um, I had two solo pieces in the show, and we were going to have to cut one of them. Yeah. Uh, that I really wanted to keep doing, and I really enjoyed doing it, and had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Uh, I had more fun doing the other one that would. I, I did a cut and restored silk, and I did a tossed out deck. And the tossed out deck makes more sense at. Um, for, for where it was in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the torn and restored silk would have been the one that, or the cut and restored silk would have been the one that I had to cut out. And I'm glad I didn't have to do that. Yeah. Because I, I did enjoy doing that. I enjoyed doing it more. Yeah. Also, that one looks cool. <laughs> cool. I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. it's good. Like, uh, it's, it's a, actually, I think it's because it's almost like a combination of two different things. Uh, it's, it's the history thing that you're laying on top of it. Right. But it's also a, uh, torn and restored, restored newspaper and the yeah, it's silk. a double restoration, which is cool. Yeah, it's a silk and a torn and restored newspaper. Yeah, I think I don't. I mean, I haven't seen everything, I guess, but I haven't seen that a lot. Right. Um, that's good. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't have to cut that. Yeah, me too. So we we really got the show tight and it got tighter, a little tighter every show. Mm-hmm. And we you know we found some more timing on jokes and and, and we 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 riffed some stuff and it was it was a lot of fun. Um. And- oh, but, oh, what I was saying was that 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 show where that we bombed. The, the the stage manager came back and told us beforehand the front row is really drunk. Oh, and we knew it. And, and so this was probably on us. I think in the future, it would, I, I would say it would almost be better for me to not know that mm. going in. Because um, I already kind of walked out with like a guard up, ready oh, to go. Right, right, right. And the moment it became a thing, I reacted like we got to... <laughs> I, we, I reacted it with like a heavier guard than the audience you, thought was probably warranted. You like walked on stage with a loaded fire extinguisher <laughs> and, a, yeah. and an ember popped up and you're like, Psh! yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, and then the rest of the audience is like, what? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. That's not a terrible analogy. Um, it was like, it was just a little ember. What? Right. And so I, that might've been part of it. I don't think it would have made a big difference yeah, though. Yeah. There, and there were some times that it was annoying. Like we, so w- one of the things that we did to save time is instead of Robert bringing a person up on stage, mm. he would do this little thing with a rope where he would demonstrate, uh, this thing oh. about tying a knot without using the end of the rope. Right. Um, he would just do that by himself and then he would bring me out and then he would have somebody from the front row stay seated and tie me up. Okay. Um, so stuff like that saved, saved a lot of time. That's probably the biggest time time difference. And the person that night, uh, Robert says, you know, tie tie a knot. So they you know they tie a knot in the rope and then they double knot it. Every single person did that and it was fine, except for this guy who just like twisted the rope around my hand <laughs> like like you're tw- like you're closing a like an old loaf of bread. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And, and then, like, then he put one of those tags. <laughs> <laughs> um. And we're like, uh, okay. And then we just immediately shifted three seats down. <laughs> yeah. Although but, that maybe that guy's a good guy for to be a stooge later on. Maybe. Because he clearly <laughs> had an instinct to not actually tie your hand. Right, right. 
Um, the that was an effect. How many of the effects are like you've seen that before, and how many of them were stuff that you at least put some tweaks into? Because that was one, right? Yeah. So that was pretty new for both of us. We discovered that in Tarbell and then tweaked the method. Uh-huh. That was a ring on rope from Tarbell that we changed uh, completely the the method actually. Um, but it kind of got us there. The opening one. The opening is something Robert's been doing for a while. Oh, okay. So uh, he's he. That's something he can do by on, himself. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so we just came up with a two person version of that, which just it may, it turned into me doing the thing with the egg. Ah, does he normally do all that himself? No, no, no. There's no egg in. The, oh, oh. No actually, egg. the egg is great. Yeah. So he just does the. Uh, so so anyone who didn't see it, Robert is playing ukulele and he raps about himself, and I play an egg shaker along with it. And then at the end of the routine, mm. uh, we have, have the audience named a card, and the card is his uh, ukulele pick. He's mm. been, uh, he hasn't, the pick his whole time has just been this one card. That is the card. He hands that out to him, and then the egg shaker that I'm using, I crack into the glass. Yeah. And it's a real egg. Really nice. So that was, uh, so we came up with, with, with that. So then it was ring on rope, then it was... Uh, but, oh, yeah, so Robert does that by himself. Um, and that, so he's been doing that for, for a couple years, mostly at Magic Bar and places like that. And yeah. then Simon Cornell helped him improve the method um, cool. a little bit, and now it's great. Um, and then what was after? Was it the Shark Tank next? Yeah, so then we did the Ring on the Rope, uh, which was probably ended up being the weakest thing in the show. Oh. I said if we were to do it again, I would maybe either try to improve that or, or uh, replace it with something better. Okay. Well, so why would you? Why, what did you think was weak about that? I I just think that um, for the amount of buildup it takes, yeah, it just felt like it was really not registering with the audience how impossible it is to get a knot and a rope, yeah. when you cannot use the ends. Um, uh, do you think that's why when people do? And I kind of wish I could pull the audience to be like, real, be real with me. Do you think I can just get out of these ropes? Because we're spending so much fucking right. effort for me to not be able to get out of these ropes. And I, I really don't know how they could be thinking that because somebody else ties me up, and then I have fifteen different people from the audience all confirm that I can't get out, that you can't get the ropes off my hands. Right. What's the What's the name of the thing where um, you have the handkerchief and then you've, you're handcuffed? They hold they they fold up the handkerchief and you put your hands in, and then like you're constantly just taking your hand wrists in and out of it. Right. I I don't know what that's called, but you see it a lot. Um, that because that I wonder if. If that informs, like, I, I wonder if there's a truth to the audience just being like, well, I don't know how he's doing it, but I'm sure he can just get his hands. Right. So the ring and the ring is pretty, it's just like the idea of the knot, I think maybe just sometimes didn't 100% register with the audience. But the the ring is pretty clear. He hands out a ring, it's solid, and it goes right on the rope. That always got a, a decent reaction. Yeah. So I think at the very least, even if it wasn't Oh, so you terrible, think the knot part is the weak part? Yeah. I think that... um the knot part, um, and, and when I saw it, the preamble was longer. Right. And I think that it is a little bit of like, um, it's almost like, it's almost too hard for a, a drunk layperson to understand mm-hmm. in a visceral way. Because even when, when the uh, how many times did he actually demo it with an audience member? Was it once, just, just okay. once. <laughs> that, and I think uh, Rob- he might have done it more times that night. Maybe for the second right. show, I can't. Remember. And I remember Robert just immediately being like, "We should cut this," because like even the first lady had such a hard time even following the process. Right, I of, heard that backstage of how to do yeah the th- even tie the rope the knot that doesn't become a real knot. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, the idea is he's sort of wrapping these ropes around his hands in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and he's having the spectator follow his steps exactly. And then when they're all done and they kind of toss the knot, uh, the rope off, he has a knot in his rope and they do not. And they, they couldn't quite get um, this is, I learned this in the level one magic class at the Magic Castle. That knot? Um, yeah. That, that rope tie? That, that thing where you throw it over. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Mark Wilson taught me that. Cool. Yeah. So, um, Somebody taught, I can't remember if it got uh, like a teacher at my high school when I was getting into magic. It's like, well, I know one little rope trick. And yeah. he showed me that. And so, but I showed that to him two weeks ago and he didn't know it. Ah. Three weeks ago. And he's like, what? And I fooled the shit out of him. Oh. Um, but I think the ring part's cool. Yeah. So that was always a little bit visual. Uh, and so that was cool. And it was a good finale. But it didn't have quite the button on it that I wanted because it was like this kind of the moment happens and the trick's over, but then there's more process because they have to untie me. And then the trick is now really over, and it's you know. So the, I, I just think it was at worst, it was well situated where it was in the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then was it Shark Tank? They made a Shark Tank. Pit. Which the uh, whole premise was was the premise yours? The Shark Tank. The premise was mine. Yeah. yeah. So, so Robert's like, I want to do this trick. This trick's cool. I was like, Oh great! 
um, and so the idea is you're pouring two drinks. I was like, oh, that has to be a Shark Tank thing, like a, like a product we're yeah. selling. My idea was to remove the camera from that routine. Right. Which I think worked out. Which also probably would have happened um, on its own because we didn't have a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of uh, scarcity. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and that one is, uh, th- that was a method that Robert already had? Yeah. Or... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a trick he'd been doing in Pittsburgh by himself. Oh, cool! Yeah, I like that one too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sort of walking through the tricks because I'm interested in which ones are like, uh, oh, we evolved this from something we already knew. Right. So what that is is it's a list of a couple hundred, two hundred drinks, yeah. and I have a list of hundred, and Robert has a list of hundred, and people from the audience. And that list, those lists did not exist when you saw the show. We have clipboards with paper lists on them now. Oh, you did? did yeah. You, uh, oh, because um, why didn't you do it the first night? We didn't you, have those lists. Oh, okay. We just hadn't printed them yet. <laughs> Is that really? <laughs> I thought it was like a technical reason. Nope. <laughs> just not printed a list of a hundred things. Yes. It's so funny because um, uh, if you guys use the app DFB, right? Um, so that's I'm, what we were using. I'm in the I'm in the Facebook group uh, for that app, mm-hmm. and that Facebook Facebook group is literally just messages where people go. Hey, does anyone have a list of a hundred celebrities that I can use? Does anyone have a list of a hundred common grocery items that I can use? And it's like, what? Like, um, why? Are, why do you need my help for that? Yeah, but that that is eighty percent of the posts on that forum. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes from that. I don't know if Robert came up with this or if we joked about doing this, but but it's, it's you're using the the digital force bag to um, you go. I I you know I'm amazing in impressions. I can do a hundred different impressions. <laughs> Uh, they name a number from one to a hundred. I'll see whatever impressions there. So like you name a number and you say right. 25 and, uh, um, you have all these wild celebrities, these crazy voices. You can like, I can do Arnold Schwarzenegger and I can, you know, Alan Alda and I can do this person, and this person, and this person. And you get to the number and it's just your name. I go, Oh, John Accardo. Oh, I, I, okay, well, this is it. I believe that that might be Ryan Plunkett. Is it? Maybe. Oh, it might have been. Because you might that's you might have heard it from Ryan Plunkett. I might have heard of it from Ryan, Ryan Plunkett. I think that is very funny. Uh, who you'll be seeing very soon. Yeah. In Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um hopefully you can get a copy of his book. Yeah. Oh. I have a copy of his book. Uh the new new book. Oh. The new New Angle. Uh the he, newest they, angle. They republished New Angle and then there was another book. The new Angle, Newer Angle. That immediately newest re- angle. Oh, right. trilogy. I can't remember who I was ranting about this with, but that was the book that ran out. Um and Oh yeah, you okay. talked about that on the podcast. I that ran out of the po- at, at Magi Fest. Yes. Oh, but I was also talking to a friend of mine who actually worked at the convention and might be able to pass this along. It wasn't the Ben Hart book that ran out. It was the Ryan Plunkett book that ran out. They literally bought fifty, brought fifty copies. Right. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've switched. Telling somebody else, I switched it up. Gotcha. I said it was yeah, the yeah. Ben Hart book. Um, uh, what does Ben Hart have in a book for? What, what, what does he have? In a, what, what's in his book? I don't know. Just how to, I've how never to, seen him do original stuff. How to be in the Britain's Got Talent? No, I guess so. I, don't I mean, uh, that's not a knock on Ben Hart. It's just like of all the big things I've seen him do, I haven't seen him do any original stuff. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because, like, for example, I think a signature uh, of his show was uh, Diminishing Cards. Right. The egg a, on the fan, the egg that egg on the, the, fan. the flower petal turns into an egg. Yeah. It's not his. Uh, I, I'm not trying to shit on Ben Hart. I think he's good. I just... Um, a named, a thought of word that's in a cracked walnut? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. There's so many shit, so many goddamn tricks with things are coming out of walnuts. I, are there ring, really? Rings and Oh, I didn't know that. And, yeah. Uh, the walnut is a, is a, is an old friend of the magician. Oh. Wal- so somewhere there's a bar that only, that, uh, I'm going to open a magic bar called Walnuts and Lemons. Right. That's all we're going to serve. <laughs> and like any lemon in the bar it's possible there's a bill inside of it. Yeah, you code you code to the bartender what card you want inside the lemon when they bring it to you. <laughs> actually, that's not a bad idea at all. Yeah. That is actually a very good idea. Well, you have to learn the monica. They'll be like, I'll have lemon number 22, <laughs> and they bring you one with the eight of spades in it. Um, TM Ricardo, this is a good idea. Yeah. Everyone fuck off. Um, so uh, it sounds like you didn't have a single – you guys didn't have a, any moment that was like – so like he's he's doing – he's done the drink thing before, mm-hmm. but he didn't do it with the Shark Tank thing. Right. Okay. And then uh, what was after that? After that was me doing the Torn or Short Silk. Okay. Which I had done twice in my life. But that's before. also something – yeah, you did at Dirty Tricks maybe? I did it at Dirty Tricks and I did it at a private event once, um, which was ill-advised. Uh, actually, a question for you. So um, I have not been to Booby Trap. Okay. Neither have I. That, that's the kind of thing I would do at Booby Trap. I was going to say, is this whole show the kind of stuff you would do at Booby Trap? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know how long those bits are. 
Um, I just mean tone wise. Right. Yes, I think so. I would definitely do the silk thing at booby trap. Okay. Uh, you could do a shark tank thing at booby trap. The shark sure. tank thing at booby trap. The um, smash and stab dildo. <laughs> <laughs> can do it. right. That, that takes that would be too long to do it. You can do that. That'll go in your next Peller show. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna be when I get in the castle. That's gonna be my Peller show. Please, <laughs> uh, you just buy your entire show from Secrets of Hollywood. Yeah, that's a, a sex shop on was it what was that is that street Western on Western and uh, the escape room was just behind that. Yeah, that's a very good escape room. That is uh, quest rooms. Um. What was after Torn Restored Silk? After Torn Restored Silk was Two Magicians, One Trick. Okay. And that that's... where Robert and I talk at the same time. Yes. As two magicians who are doing the same trick. Um, yep. And... Uh, oh, you know what? Would improve that? Uh, it's already very good. Can you play the music from Two Girls, One Cup? <laughs> is there music to Two Girls, yeah, One yeah. Cup? There's her- Forgive me if the, if the music, the audio, is not what I remember from that particular video. Is you know this Dido? You know it's great? The score for Two Girls, One Cup. Right. What a daytime I just, Emmy. I just think it'd be a funny uh, in-joke. Um, that music is very familiar to me. Like It's very right. it's very disturbing. I, I mean, even calling it Two Magicians, One Trick is just an inside joke for us. It's yeah. not like it's published anywhere. Yeah. But the, yeah. the premise there was that we were two magicians booked for the exact same show um, at the same time. And so we come out and we think we were doing that. And actually, that, that is the only thing that we'd done exactly the same before. At Magic Bar. Uh, and no, not at Magic Bar. Oh. Um, you're, that was the first thing Robert and I had ever done together. It was about two, uh, uh, almost three years ago. Um, yeah, two years ago now, I guess. Uh, yeah, in 2018. Robert was, uh, who's friends with some people at the Pack Theater, um, uh, the, some of the, the artistic directors there, and they were doing a. They do this monthly show called um, uh, the Late Night Show, um, and so what they do is they have like a comedian kind of put together their own late night show. They kind of do it whatever they want. Robert's mm-hmm. done one. Robert hosted one, and um, and and so like, he basically just did a lot of his show before he went to Pittsburgh. And so uh, anyway, so her name is Nikki Urban. Do you know Nikki Urban? Mm-mm. Okay, so Nikki Urban, um, just all, mostly a lot of her stuff at the Pack Theater, a lot of sketch groups and stuff there. So. She asked uh, uh, Robert to do a sketch because she knew Robert's sister who does, who's in a sketch group there and then mm. they know him from other things. Anyway, so they asked him to do a bit where um, – like this, they, they, they just basically said, we want to do a sketch where we accidentally hired two magicians and we only needed one. Can mm. you basically make that happen? So he calls me and, and says, do you want to do this joke, uh, this thing? So he goes, we should do a card trick, obviously, or we're fighting and uh, uh, we you know have people pick a card, pick a card and um, – Pick your, some people pick three cards, find the first two, and then the third ones we have from the other person's deck. We switch cards. And I go, great. So then uh, we, we came up with some bits to do that, and then I I came up then with the idea that we come out saying the exact same thing at the same time mm-hmm. as if we didn't know that the other person was. And, and that was a little bit different, but but yeah. So then for years we've wanted to do that. And then I, afterwards I was like, oh my God, that'd be so funny to do in the Peller. And then why don't we just add like a stupid like – like announcer bit beforehand, and then that the line. That, so Chris was in our show. You were, you you taped something. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you you, had, you did a voiceover yes. appearance where the lights go out and there's a line uh, that. Um, well, do you, you remember? Yeah, it's uh, what year was it? 2010. 2015. In 2015, two magicians were scheduled to appear at a magic theater in Spokane, Washington, in the same theater at the same time. This is their story. Right. So <laughs> I basically, that line is existed exactly in that way in my head for about two years. I'm just uh-huh. like, if we were to ever do the Peller, sometimes, um, I mean, it's always good to rewrite things and, and redo things, but I, I will say sometimes if I know something feels right, I like that, that I wrote that line exactly like that two uh-huh. years ago. And in my head, it's, it's never changed. Um, something about Spokane, Washington is just weird. And uh-huh. like, oh, I, like, you know that city, but like, it yeah. never comes up anywhere, you right. know? And so, uh, and it's popular enough that people recognize it, but not so popular that I need to like do a bit about the city, like mm-hmm. you know, it's not like Chicago, or it's not um, uh, Poughkeepsie, right? Um, yeah. It's not inherently funny by itself, yeah. But it's kind of funny because it's it's all like weird, yeah. Uh, and and so sometimes like I, like there's never been a second draft of that just because I I wrote that line. I was like that feels that feels right, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so that is really the only. Granted, that bit was a little bit different. We we ha- we only had like a day and a half to put that together, so it was shorter what we said together, 
And we, at some point, the bit was we broke off and we, we were arguing with each other. We weren't doing it at the same time. And, mm-hmm. I, and then for this, what I said was, no, if, we want, if I want to do it, let's do it for the entirety of mm-hmm. the entire bit. We do every single thing completely in sync with each other. So every single word, every single line we say is completely lockstep yeah. with each other. Uh, yeah, that was great. So that was the closest thing. And so if we were to do, and my only thing is if we were to do that again, I would, I would add a minute to it of mm-hmm. us talking. And I would, I would want it to get as complex as possible. You would pitch us an idea for that. Um, yeah, probably just didn't have time to. Yeah, we just yeah. didn't have time to like. I, I wanted a very, very long and specific, increasingly right esoteric, cons, uh, like specific list of details of your upbringings. Or right, whatever. and that was one of my favorite bits in the show because um, uh, one, a lot of people responded well to it and it got mm-hmm. some good laughs, and then the trick did very, very well. I wasn't even, I was so never thinking about the trick. Anytime that like we turned the cards around and they were different colors and that got a big reaction, I was like, all oh, right, this is a good, good fucking trick. <laughs> um, but the first night we were there, John Lovick walked up to us and went, so are you doing this Pello show so people stop thinking you're the same person? Uh-huh. And I went, boy, are you going to be happy. Uh-huh. Uh, and then um, throughout the show, uh, later in the show, uh, that weekend, Eddie, who was on Sunday in line for our last show, he goes, yeah, I'm excited because I feel like you could just each do a one-man show and say it was the other person. Uh-huh. And like it'd be funny if you just if this is like a one-man show and you just kept coming out like – each of you came out one at a time doing a one-man show as the same person because yeah. you look so similar. And I was like, well, you won't be 100% disappointed. Uh, what did Eddie think? Um, you know what? He, I, I think he gave us a standing ovation, which was cool. Oh, cool. Uh, he was into it. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him afterwards. Uh, he talked to Robert. My, mo- um, my mom, she was sitting, sitting next to my mom, and, and my mom goes, uh, what was that guy's name? And I said, Eddie. She goes, well, he said it was one of his favorite things he'd seen at the castle. I went, that feels like I would have to hear him say it for me to think that is what <laughs> happened. Um, she might have said, that was my favorite thing I've seen at the castle tonight. It's, um, it's possible that your mom misquotes more, not just you. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, that is more than possible. How many times did your mom see the show? Probably six. Whoa. My, par- my parents came Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. I think they saw two shows each night. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's... Uh, maybe five. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That's commitment. Um, the and then I can the... always hear my mom reacting louder to bits than other people to like amp up the energy. And I was like, thank you, I guess. You know what? I love Donna Cardo. Sweet lady. I will say that um, uh, I, I'm about, I would say... 85% recovered from my Bell's palsy. Uh-huh. Did I mention I had Bell's palsy? I think I did. On the podcast? Last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, we went, you went into um, uh, But one of the, the things that happens is the ear that's the, – the side that's affected is a little more sensitive to sound. <laughs> and I actually had a couple moments of like actual like physical pain in my ear because your mom was sitting to my right. And, oh, and the, she's making a lot of noise. No, just the laughter. A couple of times, I was like, "Oh my god, that's, that's <laughs> hilarious!" But you know, good response from mom. She will listen to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, no, it's, it's it's my fault for having a malady. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Chris. <laughs> fuck you and your face. Yeah. How are you, by the way? I, that's why I'm, I'm about 85. I think now, if I didn't tell someone, they wouldn't notice. I noticed because right, I didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have noticed the first time we I saw you if you hadn't told me. And then when we were recording the podcast, when you laughed, I could tell. When yeah. You, you know, half your mouth wouldn't move. Now I, now definitely, if I didn't tell someone, they wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But like, I still, if I try to smile fully. This is right. still, and me raising my eyebrows is still a little like it's almost like the side on my right kind of lags mm-hmm. a little bit, but um, it's interesting. While I had it, I was trying to uh, imagine like what if this never gets better? Like it, it's possible because some people it, it it either takes a long time. Uh, what what people, is the feeling like in that side of your face right now? Is it is it numb or is no? It, it's mostly okay. It's or, or still was it numb? It was yes, it was numb. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, th- what I was telling people was that's like going to the dentist when you're at the dentist mm-hmm. and you're trying to afterwards you have to uh, specifically avoid biting your lip. Right. That's how the whole face feels. God. Actually, I, let me ask you this: Can you raise your eyebrow, like one eyebrow? Mm-hmm. Can you do the other side? Not as much. Oh, you can. Not as. Are much. there anything? This is a lot harder, and it feels weird. Can you do this? Uh, j- up like that. Can you do the other side? Hey. Uh, anything you can do where you can do it on one side but not on the other, uh-huh. that's how it the, – the part where you can't do it on the other side is how it feels. Oh, uh, weird. <laughs> and it's also weird to just um, – paralysis is a very strange thing because it's like – it doesn't feel like uh, – I don't know how about this. It doesn't feel like you can't 
move your muscle. It's like you just have no, um, you can't imagine ever having been able to move it. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't understand how my thought ever turned into that action right. before. And it's just that the electrical signal is not making it there. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and, or that the nerve is compromised in some way. Right. Anyway, it's nearly back. But um, your mom did make it worse. So, um. <laughs> Oh, Biller. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, I don't think people would notice now. Um, and uh, I am currently on hold to go back to Stumptown. Great. For a third appearance. Great. So I would love it if Stumptown and Superstore Super Sur- did get not, uh, renewed. Great. For season six. I had a feeling it would, right? Uh, I had a feeling too. What is it, isn't this season six? Or this is season, season five. five? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, um, but it would be nice if I was uh, recurring on two different shows. Yeah. If Stump- how, how big is your part on Stumptown? I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it could not be smaller. <laughs> well, you've been on twice. <laughs> it's literally, I'm a bar fly. So there's a bar that one of the characters owns. And they, I think, are trying to get me to be one of the, which would, I would love this, be one of the regulars in the bar. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, like a norm. I mean, so far my character is as if Norm only had one line per episode. That's what my character is. Wow. Um, so cool. That'd be great. to the point that people, I'd say a handful of people tweeted after my first appearance. They were like, why is the guy from Superstar on this show? Oh. Like they were like surprised. Okay. Well, that's, that's, a, that's um, notoriety. The, uh, uh, but the real test of my, to my acting is that on, on Superstar, I'm clean shaven and on Stumptown, I'm, I have a beard. Oh. That's the big difference in character. Ooh, I went to school for acting and that's what I came out with. <laughs> um, so basically now I sort of, I'm always going to have a beard. And then if I have to go do some Superstore, I'll shave it. But this way I'm ready for Stumptown whenever. Right. Um, okay. So we were at. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah. So we did the two minutes into one trick. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We, and, and, and one of the bits was for a Peller show, we always wanted, uh, we thought it'd be funny if, if like we wore the matching clothes. And so we kind of huh. had matching jackets. We had matching yeah. like maroon jackets. And so I was putting, yeah. um, that's what that was. It was, it was de- a, I think we could push that. Probably. Like same boutonnieres. Probably, yeah. Um, so that actually, I will share this because that is something I want to do. Uh, this is, you know, if we ever do it, I, I, I this joke was in and I made the decision to cut it. Um, even though I do think it is funny and I stand by it. But the idea was if we wanted to stretch that out, one of the ways we could do it was also by making sort of a statement about magic in that trick, uh, oh. about the similarity of tricks and, and things mm. people do. Have I told you about this? Have we talked about this? No, but it definitely sounds like a, a grudge you have against magic. <laughs> uh, right. So one of the, the original is, name of this podcast should have been The Grudge. <laughs> the Grudge. Um, that's not taken, right? No one's using that. It's not in film or television. So... Uh, Yes, yeah, so one of the ideas was we. I, I came up with a, a, a bit to extend it, and that would be if we wanted to make it like a statement instead of just a silly thing. Mm. The reason we get booked and uh, together and, and do the exact same show is because our act is exactly the same. Oh, and so the idea would be that uh, we would each again in sync, in step with each other, pull out a list and uh, like a thing, and go. How dare you think anyone would confuse your show for my show? Uh-huh. Listen to the press release. Your magician will like, you know, and then like one of those big press releases where it's like Houdini will do the deathifying this, yeah, you know, and, and there's like the magician for this show is going to have a, um, any audience member color in an entire black and white drawing. And the magician <laughs> will be wearing those clothes, and then we'd be like reading that off to, and then one idea we, we'd bat it around the execution. of This one was that we do it in, in lockstep, uh, um, synchronized, which I, to me, I think is I want to do that for like four and a half minutes. I want mm-hmm. that to be as. Because the, the best compliments we were getting about that was like, oh, wow, that was so clean and so tight and so uh-huh. well-timed the way you did that. That must be really hard. And I think it did not feel like we were stretching that. That felt fine the way we were doing it. I think we could learn another minute and a half of that dialogue. So right. I thought that'd be really funny. And then um, like I was trying to think of other popular tricks. And Robert Can you was, guys juggle? Um, I, I can do – I can juggle a little oh, bit. Oh, man. It would be great if you guys juggled three balls uh-huh. each. And then in the middle of it, you were like, wait a minute. These aren't my balls. These are your balls. And then and you, you pass them. them across. Oh, I couldn't do that. No, I, that, <laughs> I bet that, you could that, that, that in it, with a couple months practice. <laughs> that would be funny, though. Um, so <laughs> I, and then, so then uh, Robert's take on this, his idea, like, what if we did stop talking in sync? And, and we pull out the list and of like of the uh, the press release, and then you know I read John reads off, you know, um, well no 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 this uh, this is my show. Uh, you know the the magician will. Have somebody color in a black and white drawing with a bunch of different colored markers, and then they'll reveal that they were actually wearing that outfit underneath their clothes or, and with those colors. And then Robert would take that and go, "No, no, no, that's my trick. How, listen to this one. This one's definitely mine." The magician will have somebody shuffle or uh, mix up a Rubik's cube, and then he will have a matching Rubik's cube, like stuff like that, stuff that everybody's mm-hmm. doing. And then they would come back to me, and I would go, "No, no, no, that's my trick. Listen to this one." The magician will draw an X on his hand and make that same X appear on a spectator's palm, like yeah. all of these things. 
And so the the first two, the two that we came up with were the uh, the drawing one, the color match, and the uh, the Rubik's cube, the 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 Rubik's cube matching trick. Um, that one I feel less bad about because there's like five different versions of that exact trick that all kind of look the same to an audience. The Rubik's one, yeah, or, yeah. Because there's like four different, you know, four or five different uh, Rubik's cube matches, as opposed to color match, which is the only only one of that of that nature. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are any big knockoffs of that, but I made the decision to cut that because I felt like at a convention. Or somewhere there's a lot of magicians, or if we were doing a thing at the the, the AMA award show, yeah. you know, that would kill. I, I well, it might not kill. You wanna, but you want to do the show that's right for your audience. Yes, and so not like it's not. I I wasn't worried that it would go over their heads. I don't mind a tr- joke going over their heads. We we added a joke later in the show that went over people's heads if you weren't a magician, and I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of fun so long as it's not too much of the show. My problem with it was if you're a mag- if you're a non magician and you hear about a matching Rubik's cube and a color match. Your initial thought is like, "Fuck, those sound really cool." <laughs> like, I didn't want them. I didn't want to be talking about tricks that we weren't doing that to an, an audience that wasn't discerning and didn't know the difference. Sound amazing, and that, of course, is where the the danger of those tricks are, and why that the, they're they're so you know they're they're so seductive to magicians. Like, oh, I'll just put that in my show with no interesting vision. It's because they are good tricks and they the, do get good. There's reactions. no way for a layperson to have the sort of satiric perspective that you have on it because yes. either they're like that sounds really cool right or they're like oh i did see someone just right. do that so usually oh, I'm, i guess I, I guess that trick i guess i liked something that these guys think is hack right and that's not a great feeling either and even if it didn't get that deep like compared to some of the stuff we're doing like the ring on the rope and stuff if you hear about somebody matching two rubik's cubes i feel <laughs> like from the, from your seat you'd be like that sounds way cooler <laughs> um and so that was, I think, one of the reasons why Robert reluctantly agreed with me. I tended to be a lot more conservative on what we would put in the show than Robert would be. Mm. Um, he would be like, yeah, well, fuck it, let's put it in. And I was always like, well, let's hold on, let's think about this. Um, that was one where I got him to agree with me because it wasn't that they went over their heads. It was that I thought that ultimately it it, it, it would be read, it would, it would be received in a, in a bad way. I also think that it would, for the magicians in the audience, would... Um uh, well, I mean, probably a lot of them would think it's funny, but also I feel like maybe in the castle you'd be like, you're not that far away from a magician that might be doing the thing right. you're talking about. Like, it wouldn't be that crazy for you to do that joke in the pillar and someone goes up to the parlor. And I think someone might have been doing a toss out deck there that week. Because uh-huh. I got a weird chuckle more than once when I put that bulldog clip or whatever that clip, those clips are called, the butterfly clips on the um, uh-huh. on that on that deck. And I was kind of like, uh oh, well. Uh-oh. In for a penny, in for a pound. Um, what was the joke you added later? The in joke. Oh, uh, uh, this we just again it was so silly. We we um, had an amaze box on stage off to the side, and during the Shark Tank bit, we said if anybody wants to donate money, you can put it in that box over there. And mm-hmm. We just pointed the amaze box, and then never referenced it again in the show. <laughs> um, and so then I, I came up with a line. This even less people got because you have to be familiar with the with the website, yeah. um, which Robert was, so he thought it was hilarious, so it was enough for us to put it in. But just uh, to reference it, I would say, now, if you're interested, you can put some money over there in that Amaze box. And then Robert would turn to me and go, no, no, John, the crowdfunding app, the, the money-raising app is called Omaze. So that's an Omaze box. I go, right, 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 Omaze. Oh, right, right. What does that mean? You know what, no Omaze? Uh-uh. Okay, so Omaze, um, I, th- I, thought you, I thought you might. Omaze oh. is, a, is a money-raising, it's not a crowdfunding app, it's a money-raising app that celebrities use. The idea oh. is it's they'll like Neil Patrick Harris done one, Lin Manuel Miranda Miranda does one, and it's these celebrities that basically raffle off an experience with them. So Lin Manuel Miranda would fly you to L.A. I see to watch to sit next to him during the Hamilton premiere in L.A. Cool. Uh, or, or or Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard would have you over to play a board game with at their this house. This is like the in person um, cameo. Yeah, but, kind of. Yeah. So, so they, so like Neil Patrick Harris would fly you out to, you know, to see him and Hedwig and the Angry Inch or something. And so what they would do is like they would, uh, uh, they would. Is that set, still a thing? Uh, what uh, the the site? Oh yeah, oh. Very, uh, very much so. I'm gonna go I believe. At, I'm gonna look at what I can buy. Um, so the idea is is every like every ten dollars is an entry, and you can spend as much money as you want. And they they do is they pick a cause or a charity they're raising money uh, for. I see. So you're you're donating. You know they're raising thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for these charities. So, uh, so these are raffles. These are raffles. Yeah. Ah, double date with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Exactly stuff like that. Oh lordy, oh, it How, might be fun to just enter these. Uh, yeah, so they'll, they'll all be like raffling off stuff. So um, Cameo reached out to me at one point to say I should make an account there. Hey, you should. <laughs> Do you want Jerry from Superstore to leave a voicemail on here? <laughs> Makes it easy cash. I can't imagine I, here's the, the, thing the about low it. number of bids. He, this he, here's the thing about Cameo. That app looks 
tremendously sad. To me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I just think about these poor like. Um, you can get Kevin. For, I can't remember that actor's name, but uh, for like two hundred dollars, you can get Kevin from The Office. Uh huh. To, you know, Brian Baumgartner. Brian Baumgartner. Yes. Stuff like that, and it just if you know, like, I don't know why that happened. Yeah, because the, uh, because it's like, oh, do you you need the money that? Right. Steve Carell's not on cameo. Yeah. And the thing is, I can also see the like, and like some of the like Snoop Dogg, I think is like eleven hundred dollars. Yeah, but I mean, I could, which is crazy because there's the, the that's also probably, um, very little money to you know that's less money to Snoop Dogg than two hundred dollars is to Brian Baumgartner. You know, <laughs> you what I think mean? so. Brian oh, Baumgartner, yeah. you don't think he's swimming in office money? Yeah, but Snoop Dogg is swimming in. Sure, I'm not saying everything. he's yeah. I would guess that Snoop Dogg. Uh, I, is... I don't think Brian Baumgartner needs help buying groceries. <laughs> no, 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 no. I saw him at Gelson's once. He's fine. Oh, um, so <laughs> there you go. I grew up with Gelson next to my house, and it was a great job. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I had no idea you came from such wealth. I know. <laughs> um, oh, such wealth that I just found out recently. My mom, like, uh, when they announced that it was closing, my mom like yelled at the district manager that was in the uh, store. She's like, "This shop means a lot to people." <laughs> the Gelson's? Yeah, it's closing. Just the one buyer house. This was like ten years ago. Oh, so you're 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 the the arc of your family history has gone downhill. Is what you're saying? Yes, <laughs> we're basically Shit's Creek, <laughs> except that the town around you changed into it. Right. That's about right, right. moving. Um, uh, it's actually I've never. I I was doing a play a couple years ago about uh, specifically about like West Hollywood, um, wealthy suburban mm-hmm. white. Um, Women that I wasn't playing any of those characters. But <laughs> three say, or like, four of the other. At what point of this list yeah. does your character come up? Yeah, um, and I was the myth. And then for the first time ever, I went to a Gelson's, and I did see like mirror images of all the characters from the play, like in the Gelson's. Gelson's is a great store. Yeah, uh, but also they had a really good um, pasta salad. <laughs> They do, and that did. You know, gen- they, it generally cost me like fourteen dollars. What I grew up on at Gelson's, other than the groceries, because it was two minutes from my house, yeah, was um uh their uh um the sushi they would they would pre make oh. and prepackage uh um was very good quality for an eleven year old. You know, one of the things I'm great grateful for living in LA is that I can Postmates sugarfish right. sushi to my house. I don't think I've ever been to a sugarfish. Oh my god. Do you like sushi then? No, I love oh, sushi. Oh, we got to go. Yeah, oh, it's it's so good. See you next weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we have to go. Yeah. It's, it's um so I will say that their their main uh omakase which they call the mm-hmm. trust me is uh, the one I get is $37. Okay. Is that like three uh, courses, four courses or something? Uh it's a bunch of little plates at once. I know. love doing omakase at a sushi place if I can. Yeah. And by the way, for sushi that's not that expensive right sushi in general is expensive um but uh, so when you order it from postmates it comes in a very fancy little box but anyway it's it's like i know that there's better sushi in the world but to me someone who grew up in like just discovering what sushi was and eating uh, all the sushi that you get in like you know, all you can eat sushi places and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's not very good. Right. It's sugarfish is great. I've been uh, uh I've been dating a girl who uh grew up in Minnesota. Oh. And so like never ate so like doesn't eat sushi at all really cuz she's like I never I never grew up with it. Like it's not really on her radar. Where in Minnesota she grew up? Um uh near outside of um uh outside of the Twin Cities. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's had a burger with melted cheese inside. Oh, probably. A juicy Lucy. A juicy Lucy. That's what it's called. Yeah, I love juicy Lucy. Now that I say it, it sounds gross when I say it. Out it, loud. Does. it sounds awful. Yeah, yeah. But Matt's bar in uh, I think it's, I remember seeing a man versus. I think it's actually in St. Paul, mm-hmm. as opposed to Minneapolis. The Juicy yeah. Lucy, and also they love tater tots there. Yeah, that's uh, um, Midwest man. So, uh, uh, how's your audition? Are you going to audition again at the castle for the next month? For, yeah, in March? Uh, I don't actually have a date yet because I have to meet with my audition committee contact. So we're mm. we're setting that up now, and I kind of push it all back because of my face. Right. So. Um, and then I'm actually tempted to do this blindfold thing that I showed you before because yeah. I think it's fun <laughs> and um, I think it's kind of theatrical and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at least for some people, it seems genuinely fooling. Right. I would definitely, for magicians, maybe add in like one of those like, so be clear, you you know, one of those like recaps, like you cut those cards, you uh-huh. picked a card, you put it in the deck. Well, I w- so it's based on a Lu Chen, mm-hmm. uh, Penguin Live yeah. lecture. And he's great. Like I really like him. Right. Um, 
in some ways it's almost like he's like the I only have my exposure to him is this just this one mm-hmm. he almost seems like the the Chinese version of a Danny Diortiz yeah. because just the personality of the Spanish magicians is not generally what you think of as compatible with Asian Chinese people right <laughs> so but he has sort of a it's like what you would get if you channeled that those thought processes through a Chinese right. <laughs> lens. Um, oh, there's a trick I want to ask you about. Oh wait, let me. Yeah, one finish, thing about yeah, that is that thought. in the one that he did, he when I had you doing those things in the second half of like throwing cards mm-hmm. on the table and stuff, he had a lot more. Um, when he does, he does it. He said he mostly does that trick for magicians, mm-hmm. and that he has them do like now do a double lift, now do a fall, do your favorite false cut. Like he mm-hmm. has them do um, huh. magic moves, right? And it just like scrambles their brain even more sure. as to like what's happening. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what were you going to ask me about? Uh, I was going to ask you if you'd heard of that trick, optics. I bought optics. Do you have it? The magic apple. I can show it to you. Um, I've seen. I, Robert has one, and it. Uh, okay. I, I I heard some buzz about it from Magic Live last year. Well, so the reason I checked out this Luchen Penguin Live was because mm-hmm. it was their number three or four trick of the year on mm-hmm. the Penguin Podcast, mm-hmm. uh, according to Nick Locapo. and optics I think was number two for the year. Cool. Uh, and then I watched the trailer of it. Yeah, and it sounds I, too good to be true. Honestly, I watched the trailer. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, and then somebody was like, oh, it's just this thing. And I was like, I don't think so. Um, and then I was at Magic Apple on Saturday or Friday or something, and I, I picked it up. Yeah, it's not that expensive. No, it's not. Um, um, or, for but, what it is. But, you know, what's funny is is that the buzz I was hearing about it from people that usually don't buy into buzz like that, like Simon Coronel, yeah. who's at Magic Live. He's like, you know how every year they say, like, this was a big thing at Magic Live and no one gave a shit about it and it's stupid? He's like, this was a big thing at Magic Live and it was amazing. Yeah. Well, um, this is Tobias Dostal. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Um, the last thing he did was the silhouettes mm-hmm. thing. Have you seen that? Yes. Oh, I have seen that. That's I mean, interesting. he's making really cool stuff. Yeah. I don't know that how applicable the silhouettes stuff is as opposed to this thing, but it's interesting and cool. He's cre- clearly creative and has an interesting vision for magic. Creative and also I like I, – I don't think that I would ever really do a ton of phone stuff mm-hmm. because I just think the phone – the iPhone is just so like um, – the same way people are just like, well, I assume he can just get his hands out of the ropes. Mm-hmm. With a phone, it's just kind of like, yeah, well, I guess – it has voice recognition or right. like it just, it's, it's magic. The phone itself is magic already. Right. Um, but the stuff that these two tricks that he's done, I can't remember if it's called silhouettes or whatever, uh, that and optics are kind of using the phone more as like a physical thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. Right. Um, I do think it's cheap for what you get. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a gimmick and it's very cool. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't watched, it's one of those gimmicks where I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's not immediately apparent how I'm supposed to use this. It has a little bit of a, um, there's a thing on it that I'm like, wait, what do I do with this part? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I actually have not watched the video yet. Gotcha. But yeah, no, it looks really interesting. And Rob was showing to, really um, showing to me. The other thing I got was, uh, uh, on one day I got um, a card to pocket by the other brothers. Mm-hmm. How's that? Uh, good. I can show that to you maybe next week. Sure. And then my friend Aaron DeLong from Columbus uh, recommended Pocket Nightmare by Max Maven, cool. which just came out. Have you heard of this? No, I have not. So it, I'll show you both next week, and it's interesting because um, they, I think they both just came out, and they're both very similar. Mm. Um, and the methods are like siblings of each other. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I wonder kind of what that feels like. Yeah, we should review them next week. Yeah. I also want to review next week because I'm finally going to sit down and... Uh, um, Read a new angle because I, I haven't oh. had a chance to sit down and like look at that. Do you have a stripper deck? I do. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, at uh, Magi Fest, a guy was selling stripper decks for like twenty five dollars. Jeez. And then the bicycle company was there and they had them for like seven. Yeah. <laughs> but then the guy was like, "Mine are better." Oh. There's a bunch of different ways. Actually, you'll see in that book. There's a bunch of different ways to make stripper decks, mm-hmm. which I don't know what that means. Like right. you know. You can make some that are only cut on one side or whatever. Um, yeah. Are you good with stripper decks? I've never really used one. Well, there's some pretty cool stuff in that book. Um, 
Although it was funny, I remember him. I played around with stripper decks because I think that my my first big jump into like, oh shit, this is more than because when you buy a stripper deck as a kid and it tells you what to do, it's basically you turn the card around and you pull it out and reveal it. Right. And so I, I you know, ten years later, I was like, oh, I wonder if there's something to this. And so I came up with something that I'm sure is in the book. I I do not claim any ownership over this or any like look how original I was. I invented mm. this thing. But what I did was I realized if I had like a stacked deck, I could. Do a real shuffle and then strip the cards out. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if they were turned, if one half was turned around, yeah, yeah. And so what's it, what, what's interesting about that is there is a, a a long time you can wait now. So if you were to shuffle two halves of a deck together, <clears throat> excuse me, that were stacked, what you could do is if I had a stacked deck, I could now shuffle it, turn it over, show face up they're mixed up. The stack has been destroyed. I can turn the face down. I can wait for a while, and I can talk, and maybe I can explain what I'm about to do, et cetera, give the process. And the last thing before I do is I can cut the cards. So mm-hmm. there would be so much time misdirection that it's not like when you have to do like a push-through shuffle and you do a shuffle and an immediate cut. Yeah, uh, You could really, you know, to magicians or to anybody, really show that deck has just been shuffled. And the mm-hmm. last thing that you do um, – was to uh, the last thing that you do is is that I, I even tried this with a couple people. I don't know that I would ever feel confident enough to do this. We could have spectated if you gave them the piles similar to that one Tomarez uh, total coincidence trick. You could have two people shuffle that. De- um, you could cut it for them, and you could have them shuffle it together. Yes. Um, and then they just shuffle the cards. And there then, is a and version you end up in stack. There is a version of something like that in the book that he demoed where. It gets somehow. I think you get back into new, new deck order or something mm-hmm. like that. And there is an element of two different spectators mixing their packets. And but I believe the packets are like half black and half red. But the reds are like turned around or mm-hmm. something in such a way that it doesn't matter how they shuffle them. You right. can strip them out. Yeah. But uh, I, it's funny because I there was a part in his lecture in Ohio where he said he had like a stack of twenty six. Um, one half of the spectator's packet. And he's like, and then all you have to do is turn over the top 13 and then you can put this with the other packet strip or whatever. And he just casually turned over 13 out of 26 cards. Wow. And I was like, oh, you need to explain that part. Right. <laughs> Where you just like grabbed half of, you know, a small bag. You mm-hmm. know? Um, he didn't. It's funny, at the end of that one too, somebody was like, was that a false shuffle? He did, he did a truffle shovel. And um, and uh, he was like, yeah, I don't have, sir, I don't have time to explain this. Oh. It was It was a joke, but it was... That's funny. Um, it's weird. Yeah. I also <laughs> registered for Magic Live, so I'll be going to Magic Live. Ah. August 2nd through 5th. Oh, maybe I should do that, because mm-hmm. I don't think I will be in Scotland. Sure. Uh, also, uh, when is David Stone? This Sunday. I registered for that. Cool. I'll, uh, are you going to that? Yes. Awesome. So, yeah. So, Chris and I will both be the David Stone lecture this Sunday. I think it's at 5 o'clock, 5.30. Uh-huh. Slightly earlier than normal, because the castle, uh, the, castle the apple closes earlier. Let's see if I can stick to this. I'm mostly going to watch you, because I believe... I, in Ohio, I bought everything he had for sale. Cause sure. Because I'm a sucker for the... The package? The package. That you love your package. I love the... I love... Listen, that should be the go my, yeah. go my gravestone. <laughs> Chris Grace, he loved packages. That's actually true in so many ways. Um, you should see it like my front porch when I get back from vacation, or like inside is just so many Amazon boxes. Oh, I bet. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be at David Stone. Cool. This Sunday. Uh, you have any shows this week? Uh, I think we talked about Magic Bar. Yeah, no, not until Magic Bar. Do I have anything public? Cool. So, but yeah, come, uh, come, come see me at Magic Bar. Uh, I, um, there's a potential that Robert and I will do that. Peller show again and the Peller. I bet you guys will. Uh, I think future. you should do it again. Mm-hmm. If not the Peller at somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah, or, or somewhere else. Um, um, unfortunately, we weren't able to t- film it and I want to be able to film it. Right. Uh, I want to do some uh, stuff And you, from people in the know, it seems like you got okay feedback, good feedback. Yeah, um, people seem really happy with it, um, especially some of the writing. Somebody. Uh, any, so, any feedback from people that like you were like, oh, I can't, I would hope that they get to see it. Um, no, nothing in detail. Yeah. Just some, you know, some people said some re- like I there there were some people that could I could I could tell were saying very genuinely nice things about how much they really really liked it, which is yeah. awesome. And it was fun. It was funny. The funniest thing about it was Robert is so much more popular there than I am. People <laughs> would walk up to him and not me and say like, "Man, people are talking about your show." People and then I'd be like, "I hell, I'm I'm also in it," <laughs> um, and I was there too. Right. So there was a lot of that. Uh, uh, but people did send a, um, send us both messages. Uh, someone said that the um, that the two magicians one trick thing and the talking at the same time was his uh, favorite thing he'd seen at the castle in twenty twenty. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it was still nice. to No, hear. it's more weird that he said it. Like he should have waited or something. <laughs> um, uh, I guess we could declare our favorite movies of the year so far. All right. Um, 
you know what's not my favorite movie the year so far is Gretel and Hansel. Did you see it? Yeah, it was really boring. Ooh. Uh, I'm worried about uh, Fantasy Island for some Oh, terrible reviews. Yeah. Like, not even, this could be fun to go watch reviews. Right. It's terrible, terrible, terrible reviews. <laughs> so. Um, well, you know what doesn't get a terrible review? John Carter and Robert Mears at the Peller. Unless you're one of those crowds. <laughs> Unless you're at Sunday night, 10 p.m. <laughs> oh, you just didn't say anything to me, but you secretly hated it. Yeah. Um, great. Well, so uh, I'm, I will be in Magic to Do on Thursday. Cool. Yeah, good to see I'm pretty much back to full performing. Uh, are you in Baby Wants Candy on Friday? I'm not. Uh, I might be the week after. And then February 29th, which is uh, uh, Saturday, mm-hmm. I'm going to be rapping, freestyle rapping in the Lunar New Year Asian AF show. Cool. Uh, which should be fun. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I'm okay at rapping mm-hmm. freestyle. Other people are much better. Sure. But who else is on that show? Is there anyone else I would recognize? Uh, other Asians. I'll, I'll mention next week. Sure. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Other, <laughs> other Asians. Uh, oddly enough, three white guys. I, actually, uh, in the I think Lunar New Year rap battle, we've done it before. We tend to use uh, we. It's a collaboration between Asian AF, often with Dope Town Three Thousand, mm-hmm. I think, which actually does have some white guys in it, yeah. and uh, they're actually better than we are. Some. That's guys. funny. Is it well? Um, uh, uh, a white person from. Baby, is, is Ross Bryan in Baby on Scandu? Yeah. Yeah, isn't he like a terrific freestyle rapper? Oh, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. He was on Wild and Out on MTV. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's amazing. And he actually goes to real rap battles and, like, does pretty well. Wow. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, that's it for this week. We'll um, see you next week. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.